What's up, everybody? I am Viafra. And I am Stanley. Welcome to our podcast, Shapes of Love. This is the show for anyone who has loved, is in love, will love, or been loved. So yeah, I think that's everyone. I think you're right. So on our show, we're going to talk about everything love, y'all. So have you ever wanted to have conversations about the different types of love? When's the best time to love? Or even how to heal a broken heart? Well, that's exactly the kind of topics we're going to do on our show. So get ready for some tea, y'all, on this week's episode of Shades of Love. Love. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest with us. He is a medical and research doctor with the MD, PhD, as well as a master's in public health. He is currently working as a cardiologist and professor at Johns Hopkins. He has authored more than 100 scientific articles, not including the book that has helped bring us here today, um, which isn't medical in nature, although related to the matters of the heart in which he is very familiar with. (laughs) The author of the book entitled The Forgotten Art of Love. Um, The link to the website and the book will be below. Go ahead and check it out. It has been reviewed as a a philosophical and scientific exploration of the whys behind love as it applies to sex, religion, romance, society, and ourselves. Diving into all that love invites into our world. Please welcome Dr. Armin Zeddi. Thank you for joining us. Yay! <laughs> I'll give you a pause. Well, thank you, thank you, for Thank you for having me. That's definitely a, a pleasure and, and an honor actually be on your on your podcast and so. I'm excited to to have this discussion and uh, you know, lots lots of things to talk about. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> always, always. So one thing um, I think probably today we'll end up talking about all different aspects of love. Um, but we Stanley and I generally like to start with definitions, the basis, the foundations. Um, so in your book, you provide a definition for what you think of love, which um, how you define love. Um, would you mind sharing that with our listeners and maybe, I guess, to start a little bit of how you got to that definition and um, why you like it? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question and, and, and a very interesting one uh, to begin with, you know, because <laughs> you know, obviously um, you all use uh, the word love and, and it's you know, a, a central part in all, in all lives. But if you think about it, it's one of those many things you think about it well, what is actually the definition of love? And you can have yeah. like, huh. And you look at it in Wikipedia, you know, there is, there is no consensus for it. <laughs> there is no like, all right, love is such and such. They usually give you like a, an array of, of different, uh, um, you know, association with it, you know, that is uh, emotions and, and relationships, etc. But it's really remarkable how poorly love is defined mm. Mm. so yes yeah, so i i when i you know when i you know, um, wrote my book you know obviously that was one of the key initial thoughts it's like all right you know you know i need to kind of frame it better so when i i, I studied the um, literature and looked at uh, different definitions and uh, but uh, you know, I felt like uh, really nothing hit it uh, perfectly. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so that's why I kind of like, all right, you know, let me, you know, let me do something, you know, where I feel like this is the closest I feel, you know, that uh, it, it's, uh, uh, um, it describes love, you know. So when I wrote in, I wrote in the book that I was particularly intrigued by Leibniz's definition of, uh, of love, you know, which says, you know, it's, it's the, it's a delight, um, um, uh, or, the, or the pleasure uh, um, to be delighted by the you know the happiness of others, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and and but I thought yeah so that is a lot of the essence you know, of love and that you are you you feel very good about you know to seeing somebody else you know happy, um, but at the same time I felt like well but that could be just a fleeting moment you know says mm-hmm. oh you see something you know you, you hold your child and it's giggling and it makes you happy <laughs> so so it just but, but love is more than that, more is more than just a fleeting moment. Mm. So, so I want to capture that this is a, a, a more sustained uh, state. And, and then what was really important to me is to bring in the concept that, uh, that there is no effort involved in, in, mm. in the process mm. of loving. It was extremely important to me. Uh, and, uh, and that goes, you know, at least partly to the to the, the the title of the book, the art of loving, you know, which is uh, which is um, uh, based on Eric Fromm's cl- classic, you know, the uh, the art of loving. Uh, whereas I, I use many of the of the uh, basics from put out or the concepts from from put out, and and try to expand on that, uh, and. Uh, so I came up with eventually that I define love as the uh, the urge and the continued effort mm. for the uh, for the well-being and happiness of somebody. Mm. So and then the key aspects here are that it captures you know, the the happiness that you derive or the joy you derive seeing somebody happy or, or contributing to the happiness of somebody. Uh, but it also uh, I wanted to emphasize the effort and the continuous effort, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, which is which is again beyond just a fleeting moment. That you cont- continuously love once you continuously work on that and just maintaining that. And then the other component is the urge, you know, that the feel that, that this is something you kind of like it comes oh, wow. over you. It's, it's not not something necessarily you kind of like. Um, uh, steer so much, but but the emotion comes immediately, you know, with your focus on love. So the urging portion and the continuous effort portion are very, very important to me. Uh, and uh, and but you know, but with any definition, of course, it's a construct. You know, it's a it's a uh, it's a something you put out, and uh, and uh, some would feel that captures what they what they uh, understand or, or um, uh, view, you know, as love and others not, you know, so that it gets to the point that love obviously means something different to different people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that as a physician, you, would you say that you love your patients because you have maybe 
an urge or a desire to see that they're happy in their like wellness and their treatment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately applies to all people, not just to patients, to all people. Uh, so I, I believe that, that, that love is a, is a basic human instinct. It's a human drive. Uh, which everybody everybody has that, and of course, you know, with like everything else, some people have it more pronounced from birth on, and, and some less. Uh, but but ultimately, I mean, it's it's something everybody has, and the question is how you develop it and how you let it develop. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I I feel that we all have that. Uh, the problem, you know, one big problem is that you know, we are sidetracked by so many other things our mind is occupied by that, that we often, you know, don't get to really um, follow that, that, that instinct of, of love. You know, that essentially it is, um, it is often, you know, buried uh, by conflicting interest. You know? mm -hmm. Mm. And that's uh, and that is the fundamental problem, I think, with love. Uh, that, that because because our mind is constantly pulled in so many different directions, uh, and as soon as you follow your mind, then you know you lose your focus and, and your your um, uh, your your essentially drive uh, for love. Uh, so in, in many ways, the art of loving is is to refocus on, on, on this drive, or in other words, to kind of remove uh, your, your mind as much from these other distractions, you know, which is you know, obviously easy, easy said. <laughs> in in yeah, practice, it's exceedingly difficult. Mm. But in a nutshell, that's what it is. If you are able just to focus, and that's why philosophers or religious uh, leaders, I mean, they all exemplify this. You know, they are focused on on love and just letting all the other things being them much less, you know, distracting. Mm. So, Stanley, I'm I'm curious on how you feel about the that, that um, take in a way because um, I think we, we talked a little bit about that um, that definition and the fact that you know the urge and continuous effort um, for the well-being of others. Um, can be broad and be applied to many different situations and contexts. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> Dr. Um, Dr. Said, Stanley is not um, <laughs> not a generalist. <laughs> he likes <laughs> he likes things to, to be specified. If I just <laughs> from my from my perspective, I'm gonna let him, I'm Stanley. I'm gonna let Stanley say no. Okay, so this is it is. <laughs> I love a good definition that is so specific that it's like it's either. It is or it isn't. It's very black or white. And I find issue when, um, say, like, when you say, like, you love someone, like, I need to know that, like, what exact context that means, if that makes sense. Because I feel like it's so often thrown around in just society and just, like, media so often that it, I feel like loses its importance. So I value a good definition. And I'm still also struggling to find a good definition that just encapsulates all that it means. But I think that's where I'm coming from. Where, like, you now hear people just saying love, but not really knowing what it means. But, you know, and I guess that's where I like struggle. But I, I guess when I read your um, 
definition or the, the many definitions in your book, Dr. Sade, like I was, I guess, really curious about this definition because of, as a pre-med student, I'm just like thinking about how physicians and like, as you are a physician as well, like our jobs are to make, promote wellness and to promote well-being. So I was kind of thinking like, how did that, your profession and how does that like connect? But yeah, that's, that's. (laughs) Well, so several things. Uh, I mean, I, I do, to me, this definition really, uh, you know, caps, you know, captures captures the essence of love. So mm-hmm. when you ask what, how, how do I know if you love somebody? To me, is if you show continuous effort and the urge and the continuous effort, you know, for the happiness and well-being of somebody, I think, into my mind, you show uh, that you love that person mm-hmm. uh, and as long as you do uh, I think you, you you love that person mm-hmm. now when the, the, the question then comes well when, when do you not love that person mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think by the same token you know if you show signs that you act not you know with the continuous effort for the well-being of that person this is this is this is inconsistent with love now you know, nobody, of course, I mean, this at any definition you know, is, is that is the ideal situation. Right. In the context, you know, you're placing this in the context uh, of relationships, then you open up like this to a whole different dimension. You know, what I was trying to do disentangle is, is love from relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very critical point in, the, yeah. in, in, in my book, but they're not the same. Yeah. That relationships are very complex, dynamic um, constructs. You know where love is only one component, a critical component in it. Uh, but uh, but that's it's very easily disentangled. But that is the uh, that is the ideal state that you are working continuously for the uh, for the for the well-being of somebody. And if you you know if you if you um, uh, deviate from that. You show signs of not, 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 not loving. Now, does that mean you're bad or you're not like? No, because nobody's perfect. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you have to all realize that even the best intended person uh, is sometimes does something. You know, where oh, you know, this is maybe not consistent, quite consistent with this, because we're not perfect. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and that gets to the whole master aspect. There are very few people mastering the aspect of love. Uh, and I kind of feel like, you know, in history, there are probably only very few people, I would say, like, I mean, they show compelling evidence that they have this strong focus on love that really transcends uh, everything else. So, I mean, I, again, you know, but, but the point is, it has to obviously um, uh, speak to you, you know, if it doesn't, you know, work for you, it doesn't work for you, you know, and that, that's, that's completely fine for me. It encapsulates, encapsulates the, the the essence of love, and it works in terms of defining, you know, even you know, for any given moment, for any uh, situation, whether there is indeed, you know, love or not. Mm. Now, um, so the the the, the point is uh, again that relationships are extremely extremely complex. Now, there's so mm. many other important drives in a relationship uh, which interfere uh, and um, and they often get get mixed up, you know, in the whole 
whole uh, concept uh, of uh, of love and relationships. You know? Now, in a in a medical relationship, you know what you're referring to. This is a a a this is a situation where there is a non-romantic relationship, uh, and a non-romantic relationship. Uh, I I feel the component of love again is very very important. Uh, but there are other uh, components as well. There's the, the component of attachment, which is something which something which is also confused with love. Often, if you have the have a mm -hmm. contact with a person over time and time, you know you develop an attachment, which is not necessary. Which is not love itself. Mm -hmm. but it's a similar drive. You know, you can have, you know, grow some familiarity, you know, with that person. Um, so. Uh, so there are uh, these, these these key components in, in that relationship. But if we go to ro romantic relationships, you know, there are a bunch of other components which complicates things, you know, as as uh, sexual attraction uh, and passion, uh, which uh, are huge sources for confusion, uh, you know, with love in, in, in relationships. Mm. I think you brought up. Uh... Brought up a lot of good points. Um, I guess the one I wanted to harp on for a second that I remember the first time I heard you speak um, stuck out to me, which I think you are right about, is that um, conflation between um, love and relationships. And so if you think about your definition, urge and continuous effort um, of someone else's well-being, you know, if you are having that in a relationship and maybe not getting any effort back and you have this individual that is not really um, showing it through their actions and behavior that they have any care for you, um, that there's any effort for your well-being, you know, it is, you know, that is, in my opinion, unhealthy relationship, you know, there's imbalance, right. but your love is not necessarily indicative to that person's um, actions um, as, you know, if we're looking at love by itself. And so I think, um, and it's interesting to talk about how we relate to the definitions, because I think when I was reading your definition and sitting with it, um, I, w I think I realized that when I tried to encapsulate um, love and like, define it, I sort of look for um, what is required and what you're describing as that continuous effort. You know, what actions are um, required in the continuous effort? You know, is sort of so sort of like the how and the what. You know, like. Is patience, for instance, you know, you mentioned biblically in your book too, like the um, biblical uh, discussions on love, which I always say is my foundation, my starting point. But, you know, if we're looking at that biblical foundation, for instance, you know, love can be described as patient or forgiving or um, not selfish, not seeking your own. And that sort of touches on some of the actions, you know, some of the um, what in that continuous effort, because I feel that that's also another place where most people don't have direction is like, what does it look for? What does it look like to have that continuous effort? You know, what should I be trying to embody? Um, and so, yeah, I would say that. And I think you mentioned, I feel like you mentioned it in various parts in your book as um, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily as definition itself, but as aspects and things that are necess necessary in love, which I appreciated and respected. And like, that was what I was looking for. Um, but I realize, I guess realizing how you defined it in that one line, I realized how I sort of relate with definition or what I seek um, or, or want to guide me um, when thinking about how to live with love, if you will, you know, how to master that art of love, like knowing 
what does that entail? What does that, what do I have, you know, what do I do? What, what are the actions that I need? Yeah, so the action thing concretely is to focus, you know, so it's to basically focus your, your, your mind uh, uh, in, in terms of your intention and your actions on the well-being and happiness on somebody. That, that is it, as simply as it is as, as, uh, as you can. And what that means is just like in every interaction you have, you know, any phone call you have a person, any interaction that your mind is kind of focused like, you know, towards this other person and kind of geared towards like, you know, all right, well, how, what can I, what can I do just to make this pa patient, you know, uh, happy or maintain happiness? That is the ideal uh, action you know, in, mm. in, in, in love. So let's say, you know, you know when we, the, the situation now, it's Mother's Day, uh, obviously, you know, what we do is kind of like, all right, you know, we being conscious and, and we're trying to do something nice, you know, for our mother uh, and uh, showing us, you know, to, to show, us, show her that, that we love her, you know, that we appreciate her. I mean, this is all acts of love just to showing that uh, and, but it's, you know, a, a specific situation and a occasion. The ideal situation is that every interaction, you know, is geared towards that. I mean, again, mm, mm, mm. The key point here is that we're talking about the ideal state. Uh, and that's, that is what we are striving for. That is a continuous effort that any interaction uh, is geared to that and kind of blinds out all our, you know, egotistic, you know, views and, and, and drives and etc. Now, again, you know, in, in real life, this is difficult to maintain, but the, the point is that the more, the more we kind of focus on this, the more we show this effort, the greater, you know, is, is our, 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 you know, our effort of love, uh, the greater, you know, the, the better is um, what we get out of it. And, and actually also, you know, the, the better, you know, we feel about it uh, because love, giving love also makes ourselves mm. happy, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it is very concrete. It is just, uh, uh, it is, you know, the, the continuous, you know, focus in our mind. Uh, that is the goal. Uh, and again, it's hard. Yeah, uh, and that's why it's an art, and that's why <laughs> it is so rarely achieved, and that's why you know we typically, as human beings, you know, are nice sometimes, but often are not nice. You know, why we're we not nice? Not because we're not, not nice people per se, because our mind pulls us into a different direction. Uh, it pulls us into a you know something which or we feel like uh, our. Um, you know, a pride is jeopardized, or we feel like you know we've been done wrong, or you know our 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 ego is kind of like threatened. And there's so many reasons why our mind is pulled away from the love effort, mm. uh, and and that is that is why it's hard. But at the same time, it is what we need to do if you want to be loving. If you want to have you know. Uh, uh, you know, a great relationship, love is a key component uh, in it. And the more we can, you know, do this and focus on the other person uh, in, in general, the better. Now, it's not as easy because then the second, you know, component of the relationship comes in. You know, so you can be as loving as you want, 
if your partner is not loving and, uh, and mean, etc., you know, the relationship doesn't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. So that gives the, that's, that's the whole component of it all, or the confusion where people be, because you know, we say love is selfless and that the act of love is selfless, but relationships are not selfless. Mm -hmm. You enter a relationship mm -hmm. because it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and if you know if you're in a relationship and the other person is always not nice to you and you're nice, you know it doesn't work for you. You know, and if you have then the ability to kind of change that relationship or walk out. You know, it's probably a rational thing to do, uh, and there is a lot of confusion around this because uh, it is it, when we talk about love, I'm talking specifically about the phenomenon on, of of love, drive mm, of, mm. of love, which needs to be taken, you know, in the different context, uh, and uh, uh, it, it cannot be confused, you know, with the uh, with the with the overall you know situation and relationship. Mm, mm. Hmm. I, th <laughs> I think that um, brings us to another question that, again, Stanley and I were uh, talking about a little earlier this week. Um, but speaking on relationships, um, one thing you mentioned um, in the beginning of the book, you talked about um, the emotional euphoria, I think you described it. Um, that is captured in movies and books, uh, shows, of the feelings associated with falling in love or, and how um, that euphoria or that high, if you will, um, is something that most of us, are, I wouldn't say most of us, but I say um, society sort of portrays as love itself, you know, the, a love that is mature and lasting, you know, and that what is, that's what it feels like. So I wondered, um, I wanted sort of you to discuss, um, do you think, I think you, I think you characterize it as a disillusionment, if you will, because um, you sort of talk about how um, it's not true, <laughs> how, how there's how there's two different things. You you distinguish falling in love versus um, the mature, um, lasting love, and so I guess I wanted to ask about like, do you think the way society portrays it, um, and are, are this misconception is a threat to people actually trying to live out the art of love and be loving and live with the love to create those lasting relationships you know yeah i do i think it is a threat you know because it is just uh, folks you know i think it's confusing uh and uh, but, but that was something you know i eric from essentially uh, mm -hmm. established you know so i i just basically uh you know, uh, expanded on his concept there but he was the one who kind of said hey you know, the, the early phase, the falling in love phase, uh, is an infatuation. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, it will in, in inevitably dissipate. Uh, and then you have the actual, you know, state of love. And I think he was right. Uh, and then the interesting thing is, at least uh, to me, you know, that we now have all the evidence, you know, from science, you know, to support that. You know, we just, we can do, brain MRI scans, and we can actually see that if you fall in love, um, that you know, there's lots of activities you know, going on and, and uh, that you can trace these hormones in your blood. Uh, and they're all kind of lasting about a couple of years or so, and then they, they, they go away. So it is a, it's a phenomenon, it's a, it's a very different phenomenon uh, you know, from the state of love. Now, 
the problem is, you know, you're right. You know, most people associate that feeling with actual love. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's very um, difficult to convince people, well, I'm sorry, man, this is actually not real love. You know, the people say, what are you talking about? Because hey, what's, what's everybody want, you know, this, this, this feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say like this illusion, but I, I, I know what I was trying and hopefully to, to convey is that the early phase, the falling love phase is a wonderful phase. As long as we kind of understand it's, it's just an in introduction. It's an introduction into a relationship. Mm -hmm. And we cannot have the wrong expectation. And that is the problem. If you have the expectation, well, it's going to be like this for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to be disappointed. You know, you're going to be disappointed. There's no way around it. Mm. Uh, but that is the romantic, you know, uh, constellation and uh, fantasy which is portrayed, you know, in the movies, in the uh, books, etc. And, and that's what we all kind of like, like, you know, uh, want to have because it's so great. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're in love, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's just uh, it's such an exciting exciting phase, you know, and um, so. But yeah, so I think it is a problem if, if you have the wrong expectation. Mm -hmm. uh, if you accept it as such and say, all right, in the beginning, your hormones go crazy and just enjoy <laughs> it, you know, and you know, and then you're gonna move to something stable, I think it's completely fine. The problem is that there are many people who believe that you know if these euphoric feelings dissipate. That their love has gone, mm. uh, and that is the problem. There is, there is, in fact, the statistical evidence to support that the divorce rates, you know, it peaks uh, early as an early peak, and after three to four years, and when exactly when these hormones uh, decline. Yeah, um, and we know it. So, you know, so many other examples. You know that, that initially there's so much excitement, and then all three, four years, eh, and then. Uh, the problem is that that these hormones really mess with our brain. Yeah. Uh, that's also shown in the in the in the, with the MRI studies that they are uh, they really cloud our judgment. You know, they, this is scientifically proven that they <laughs> that they are affect our judgment, which is a problem. You know, because obviously, if you're not making good decisions you know, for yourself and your partner and potentially children, etc. This this is uh, this can have devastating con consequences. No? Mm. So I think it would be good for people to realize uh, that you know that there is um, there's something to the cliche that you know you say like love makes makes you blind and stuff. Uh, <laughs> and there is there's something true to it. You know that you are just yeah you're not making good judgment. So if you're in a relationship uh, and you're really head over heels. Uh, I think it would be wise just to kind of wait, wait a little, you know, once things kind of stabilize a little bit, a few years before you kind of making you know, long-term decisions. I mean, I, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Stanley, I feel like you have thoughts on this, Stanley. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, just, I think it's really interesting that like the hormone levels like seem to peak for so long. So I'm just like, if, like we don't have access to our nearest MRI. Like, how do you know? Like, at what point is that the, like the like those hormones? Like, like at what point do you like? Can you say like I am like rational? I like, can I'm like I'm level headed. I can make like make 
lasting decisions for my relationship and not think you're in that like falling in love phase if that makes sense well you know there's this i don't think you can just like you know with a lot of precision say all right now i am and now i you know but you know in general it's the first few years you know and uh, and you know you can gauge real but by yourself you know uh, whether you are still as crazy as you were in the beginning or not you know <laughs> as obsessive and, and, and things like that but i think in general I mean, it's a good it's probably good to to uh be uh, introspective and, uh, and, and and expect that after you know, one two or latest three years that you, you would you'd see that things have changed you know that you're not as as um, obsessive as you were in the beginning you know? but yeah i don't think you can do it, you know, pinpoint it that well. I mean, the MRI studies, they basically had a bunch of people in different stages of early relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hormone levels, you probably, you are more able probably just to kind of like, if you have a baseline that is, because every, there's obviously individual fluctuation as well. Uh, so but if you really want to be precise, as Stanley, you are really somebody who wants to, who wants the precision. So <laughs> and my advice is for you to go and get a blood test and levels. <laughs> and then you know you can just uh, check them throughout the relationship. I mean, I love it. I'm just gonna take my partner three years in and speak, we gotta get tested to see if we're still in love. Like <laughs> Oh, uh, I got to find out if I'm still in the falling love phase. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I think I think similarly, like I was wondering um, with knowing that um, it lasts, it can last up to three or four years. Um, does it also mean, you know, we started talked about the nature of the truth and the love being blind. And as Stanley and I talk about, you know, the rose colored glasses of just seeing things, not maybe completely as they are. Um, I wonder, can, does it mean that you can't, I sort of want to ask, um, is it less likely for you to make rational decisions you know is it is the fact that you actually cannot see things clearly no matter how you're looking at it because these hormones and stuff are going on in these first let's say year two years you know like how how much is there a way to beat it I guess I'm Mm -hmm. I'm almost asking is there a way to like I can sit down and like try to rationally think about x y and z and know that okay I'm making a decision based off of (laughs) rationale and not my head over heel feelings for my partner, you know? Well, I, I think the, the fact that you are cognizant of it, mm. you know, helps a great deal. Mm. The problem is that if you're unaware of the risk, mm. you know, that is the problem. But if you are, mm. you know, and that, I think that's the whole purpose of this, just to point this out. But, but if you are aware, all right, you know, this is an area where I am at risk of having clouded judgment. By that time, you're already kind of like, you know, looking for clues whether your judgment is sound or not. Is that a guarantee? Not. But I think um, if you approach mm-hmm. it that way, you're less likely to uh, make any stupid things, you know, because you kind of like, you know, aware of it and then just kind of like, you know, maybe give it double scrutiny. Well, is it a decision which I would do under normal circumstances? You know? Again, it is, it is no guarantee, you know, but I think uh, the, the ability just to, to uh, have the awareness, I think, would greatly help. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. 
I also wonder like this phenomena of just like intense feeling for another is that synonymous with like um familial love and like like a love from like a parent to like a child is that different how would you like I guess talk on that well uh, so yeah so that's interesting um uh, I I don't think they the um I don't think it is a completely different, uh, you know, um, physiologic phenomenon um, because you know you can have this kind of really overwhelming feeling. You know, obviously also as a parent to your child, you know, it's extremely crazy. So there are, you know, they, 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 in, in fact, you can see some of the same hormones elevated, etc. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely, definitely overlap, and then, and then I think you know it's also important just to you know, to to say like, hey, or to, or to emphasize that this is not to mean that once you have the you know, falling in love phase over with, that now all of a sudden oh, everything is boring and you don't feel anything <laughs> anymore, and it's not exciting. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, uh, you know many folks and um, and I'm fortunate one of them after many years of marriage you know I'm very excited about uh, my, my wife and and, 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 and passionate and uh, so so it's just not to the extreme levels that you have in the beginning you know but you have a lot, a lot of you know excitement still and, uh, and, 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 and but at the same time you have other components which are even, uh, or you, you cherish, uh, you know, which you, you know, which you don't have in the beginning phase. You know, you have a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, knowledge of your partner. In the beginning, you don't know your partner well. You know, mm -hmm. you know you're just excited about it. You know, mm -hmm. but you know, mm -hmm. you don't have. But the more you know a person, actually, I, I feel that you also your your love deepens you know, mm -hmm. because more and more. You get a glimpse of you know of the wonderful aspects of a person, you know, mm. uh, and, uh, and and so you rediscover this this goodness in in the other person over and over and over, and you see different facets of it, uh, which is really um, uh, it's, it's not only fascinating and rewarding, but it really you know, deepens your your emotional attachment to somebody. So, mm -hmm. so in a way, it's just like things shift. Yeah, they may not be as intense, but there are other things which are, you know, coming, uh, you know, contributing to the relationship. It makes it makes it uh, very um, enriching, uh, and I think that's very important. You know, because I don't want you know, uh, people have the impression, oh, you know, the two three years are over and now. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, that's it, you know, and, 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 and it really isn't, you know, but there is, there is a different, you know, intensity here that I think that's fair, you know, and mm -hmm. to some extent, some people hate that phase, you know, so because it does make you very <laughs> obsessive, you know, <laughs> it, it, and it's, it really is, it makes you very, like, you know, almost anxious, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, uh, and that is something, you know, many people feel like, well, they don't, don't want that, and they're <laughs> looking forward to that period where you have much more con con uh, comfort, you know, the, the level of comfort with your partner is much greater. You don't have to worry about all these things, you know, and you just kind of like know 
that person so much better. So mm. uh, I think um, I think it's very important just to say that, that there are you know, important trade-offs you know, to that intensity. Piafra, if you could like choose to not be in that fall in love phase, <laughs> would you choose to skip over it? Would you fall into, like, do you, would you willingly go through it? Would I willingly go through the falling in love phase? I, I think I would have to, hmm, let me pause, let me pause. Let me, pause. <laughs> <laughs> let me make sure I <laughs> say what I want to say. Um, I mean, personally, I'm going to speak, I'll speak and then you can keep thinking. Like, okay. I both, I have a love-hate relationship with, like, the falling mm. in love phase. Like, it's, like, as, like, you, you all said, like, it's euphoric, like, it's, like, y'all are on cloud nine, but then there is that point, whether it's three years or three months, so it's just, like, this isn't that fun anymore, and it's just, like, dang. So, I don't know, it's, like, a high, but then when you crash, it's, like, nothing like it was before, but so yeah I, I think I think I'm I'm a man that, that that is there for the journey you know I, I think that it it, it uh, adds to the journey into the um deepening of your relationship later on you know you can sort of joke around about how obsessive <laughs> as you put it um you might have been or some of the silly things you did or you know you finally confessed to your partner like yeah I used to think this I, I used to <laughs> I used to hope you would say x or y you know and I think um that although um it can be very intense and as you said like <laughs> I can resonate with the love hate relationship um, <laughs> yeah i i have to say um my i think most rewarding relationships in my life the majority of them actually started less passionate so mm. they did not have much of that uh, uh you mm. know overwhelming you know falling love phase whereas some of those who i just really was head over heels at the biggest crush they were just like turned out to be not as um, as rewarding, but just as a personal anecdote or personal experience. Uh, and you know, and you know all the 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 the, uh, the concept of um, uh, you know a romantic relationship evolving out of friendship. You know, where just like people just uh, don't have much passion for another, but just mm. you know, like evolving into uh, in, in in maybe not having that much. Uh, of uh, of uh, uh, high level passion beginning and then having beautiful relationships after this. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, the key thing is just like you know, every relationship is different, uh, and um, you know, it is, some of them may have more that component, and others have other components. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we have to sort of touch on um, our name. You know, we came up with the name Shapes of Love. As a result of an argument, honestly, not even a debate, an argument <laughs> Stanley and I have been having for the last year, just about, um, you know, does love take how many does love take um, many different shapes, you know, and how many shapes does it take? And so to lay a, a foundation or ground for um, ground for that, like um, we've argued that, you know, OK, love comes in different shapes. And the ones we've agreed on so far um, is the love of self, a familial love, a platonic love, love friendship, you know, generally around friendship, romantic love, as well as like a love of a higher being. Um, 
love of God. No. Maybe, maybe Stanley has no, taken no, back no, on no. that. <laughs> see, you see? So and I, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I've even, I have argued for two more, which is the selfless love that you talk about, you know, like almost like a God love and oh, how you reference some of the religious leaders and thinkers, masters of the art of love that sort of live in a state of love for everybody, you know, that is very, and very much not necessarily tied to their individual relationship with the individual, you know, which I think is different than like a platonic one or any of the other forms because you don't have any, um, you don't have any relationship as a prior, um, as a reason to, to, to love. And then also love of children, which you also have in your book. So I was very happy to see that Stanley, not so much, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I wanted to, to, to get into Stanley, you can say your part. So yes, let me correct. <laughs> Um, let me like, yes, correct the opera. So the five types of love are <laughs> in my mind. It's familial love, it's self-love, it's platonic love, it's romantic love. And I think I was okay with talking about like maybe like a divine love, like a love of like spiritual yeah, like, a higher being. Um, I, I have this, um, I guess, contention with agape love or like love of humanity. And we can, I don't think we have enough time to unpack that in this podcast, <laughs> but, um, and then I think when we try and separate, like, I think Bianca said like love of child and love of- A familiar well, love and love of children. Yeah. yeah, that's where I'm just like those, I understand that in my mind, that's a type of love. I'm not gonna discredit all the um, parents out there and like caregivers, but like, I feel like that's like, if it were like a hierarchy, it's like a subgroup, but that's how my mind works. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, th- yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, you know. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to what we said, you know, that the, 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 the love, or at least I guess I should say, you know, the way I, I conceptualize it, that, that love is an independent phenomenon and drive, which then mm-hmm. in different contexts, you know, has, uh, you know, different meaning. I mean, that's yeah. the way I see it, you know, but I feel like the, the, the love is the same. It's, it's the same phenomenon, you know, whether it's in a romantic relationship, whether it's in a uh, parent-child uh, relationship, whether it's in a platonic relationship, it's all the same phenomenon, uh, the same drive. Yeah. Just the context uh, makes it different. The shape. The relationship makes it different. Mm. Uh, but that's the way I, I feel it, you know. So yes, it comes in different shape, uh, shapes, you know. But uh, you know, I think it's the the, the the consistent component is the love, which is like mm. surrounding the, the overall shape looks different, you know, because of the context. You know? mm, mm, mm. I, I think, I think um, that sort of really um, speaks to my point. Then, in terms of. Uh... <laughs> of that love being the same, you know, love, uh, that state of love looking the same. And we just attribute different shapes to it and attribute to different contexts. And so therefore that allows for room for the love of children or, you know, God love, if you will, because it's just different contexts in which you are exercising that state of love. You know, as I like to say, um, I love discipline, you know, exercising that love discipline looks different in different relationships and different contexts. And so yeah yeah because you know the goal is all the same you know the, the, the goal in a romantic relationship or a platonic relationship they're all the same you are working towards the well-being and happiness of somebody that's that's mm-hmm. the 
that mm. the that's the mm. constant in all of these relationships. Uh, and uh, it's just like yeah, it is so more complicated in in different contexts. Okay, so I have um the last question that I want to like pose to doctors today. Um, sure. And it is, uh, what is one thing you wished you learned about love sooner? Whether it was from like your book or just in general life, like what's one thing you wish you could have told your younger self? Well, it's a good question, but the, the I, you know, um, I, I just, I, you know, I have to say that I don't really recall it because I was, I was confronted, as, as I outlined in the book, actually, you know, with uh, you know the concept of love, which is you know, not dissimilar to what what I what I feel still strongly about when I was very young. Mm -hmm. uh, so because my my parents were, uh, my father was a psychiatrist, my mother was a psychologist. So we had these books in, in, in when I was growing up. So when I read Eric Fromm, I was like. I must have been a teenager or early 20s. So that's why this had such an impact on me, that book, because it was like, oh, you know, somebody took a very different view on love than it was widely perceived around me. Mm. And that kind of like early on, you know, put me on a different trajectory. Not that I would say that I was really, you know, had a, you know, a firm grip, of love at that time, but it, it still sensitized me that this is all right, maybe this is not, you know, the way, you know, it's, it's often perceived. Mm. Uh, and the other aspect is when I was very fortunate to have an extremely loving mother kind of like portrayed or, or put this in action mm. uh, to me. So I, I have to say that I never had as much as a kind of like, um, well, I should have known that moment, mm. uh, but rather uh, it, it, the, the concept or the at least portions of the concept I got exposed to as a young person evolved a little bit over the years. Mm. Uh, but I, I, there's really nothing I can say um, that I said like, well, I wish I had known that and it was blindsided, you know, going mm. into relationships. Mm. I guess one last, last question. Is there <laughs> anything you are currently learning about love still? Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of claim to <laughs> You always learn. So that's why the, the nice thing is just you have these discussions, you know, mm -hmm. to pick each other's brain and you kind of like, because all what it is, it's going to, you, you put something again forward and then you kind of like, all right, you know, how does that work? And and, and it's important to to get challenged, you know, because all right, because you know that there's thoughts, you know, I hadn't, you know, um, think about it. Huh? Does that fit? Do I have to kind of we you know think the whole thing? You know? mm. So yeah, no, I'm of course not claiming that I I know it uh, all. Um, and so you know, there you know, there's a lot of you know things I wish I wish I I, I knew. Uh, but I, I cannot say anything um, uh, you know, specific other than that I guess I would like like a more physiologic you know, assessment uh, of, you know, of, of the long-term 
uh, love state and uh, in how it interferes with other uh, physiologic functions in, in the brain. Mm. Uh, so there's there's some little more medical questions, you know. I particularly have, you know. uh, but uh, I, I personally think the problem is not so much the knowing about it. The, I think the problem is just putting it into action. You know? mm -hmm. I think that is the the problem. I don't think love is actually so difficult. It is actually fairly easy. You know, it's just again. You to get our mind to do it, that is the problem. I mean, mm. our lives, as you all know, it's, it's in our mind, you know, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Everything is in our mind, yeah. You know, and the, our mind is also the solution. Um, but it is very difficult, uh, because there's so many influences on our, our mind, and 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 uh, and uh, and just to keep it in balance is, is the challenge, you know. And, mm. uh, uh, but the only thing you can do is, at least I, I, what I continue to do is just, you know, thriving for that balance the best as I can, you know, that's all I can do. Try my best um, and have um, forgiveness to yourself, you know, mm. because, you know, you, you do, you, you fail. Uh, but if you, as long as you are, you know, uh, say, all right, well, uh, I try harder uh, next time and, 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 and accept that you're not perfect. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's all you can do. Yeah, and I liked how in your book you applied your definition to urge and consistent effort um, for the well-being and happiness of somebody, and you sort of uh, explicitly mentioned how you know we as individuals are somebody. You know yourself. You know you have to also apply that to yourself. You know, and that in my mind that also includes that forgiving yourself. You know, being patient with yourself and kind to yourself um, as you go along and as you're journeying and um trying to become a better version of yourself trying to maybe inst um, be more loving and live a, a more loving lifestyle that you know that uh the same things that you are trying to give others and try to be for others you have to also have to be for yourself yeah and that's a it's a critical concept you know? it's mm -hmm. really critical uh that you get to uh be loving to yourself and, and it's actually uh, the, the whole concept of your mind distracting you uh, it's, it's largely circled around that you know you have to have a healthy view of yourself in the world mm. uh, but if you don't have that that causes you know a lot of instability for your mind just to constantly you know rearrange that balance and it makes you makes your mind very distracted but unfortunately uh, that is uh, a very very common problem you know mm -hmm. a very common problem that our mind is too occupied uh, with uh, imbalances you know, of, of, of how we view ourselves uh, that is not you know, able to free enough you know focus on on, on, on love it's a huge issue so you're not going to be able to dive into that much, but um, but maybe you know we'll, we'll probably have another session at some point. And uh, we would love that. Uh, <laughs> we would love that. And just kind of go into because you have a lot of other topics you probably can, you can go into. <laughs> next next time, if you, um, God willing, inshallah, we have another discussion. Um, I definitely would like to talk about um, teaching love you know and so yes I, I think I, I really resonated with that chapter in terms of how 
we aren't given the tools for that personal development, you know, mm-hmm. to love ourselves, to love others. And we're just expected to learn it from our parents. And I don't know where we expected them to learn it from per se either, you know, just we're expected just to learn as we go. And so I really resonated and loved your idea of having that be part of our education from an early age into, you know, higher education and really having those discussions be part mm-hmm. of um, how we organize ourselves and how we um, engage so that we can become better practice practitioners of a love, you know? And, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I was disappointed that, that it didn't get more attention actually in the book. Uh, I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah. So yeah, let's do, maybe let's do another session. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard it here, folks. Like yeah, I heard it here. So unfortunately, we're out of time today, but stay tuned. Uh, you know, we, we, we'll probably be back with another conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, for those of y'all listening, follow us on Instagram at Shape to Love 3. Look out for the episode, Spotify, all streaming platforms, as I hope you're listening now. <laughs> but um, yes, thank you. And um, thank enjoy. you, Stanley. Thank you, Bia, for it. That's, that's been fun. You should definitely do it again. <laughs> we'll yes, do. absolutely.